We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Miller for three. Oh, he banked it in. He banked it in. And the game is tied. We're going to overtime. Warren lets it fly. Yes. T.J. Warren is not human. Razor catches, shoots for three to win it. He hits it. To go. Brogdon for three. Let's Got go. it. O'Neal drives on Yao. Puts it in. Duarte for three. Boom, baby. Anthony attacks oh. Hibbert. Denies him at the rim. Karis LeVert. People don't realize how good he really is. LeVert. Skies high for the jam. Stevenson passes into Sabonis for the basket. Jackson turns, fires, and hits. Oh, Turner bringing that smoke. Flips it to the big fella, fake shoots, and hits. What's up, everybody? Uh, this is Dwayne Washington Jr., and you're listening to Setting the Pace. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Setting the Pace. Training camp has officially started, and we're here to talk about what we've heard so far and what we've seen on social media. But before we get into that, let me introduce to you my co-host, the one and only the lovely Michael J. Fachi. I know you get mad when I say the lovely, but that, that's the best I can come up with today. Fine. I think we could do without the lovely. Uh, you know, it feels like I'm on the show Bachelor or something. But, uh, you know, hey, here's what I'd say. You are uh, lovely, though. You are yeah, lovely, Fauci. And I, and I definitely appreciate the kind words. But <laughs> I feel like, man, Alex, just Monday, we're riding high. We're recording. We're talking about, hey, media day. That There's there's some buzz around it. And then I feel like they yank the carpet from underneath us because we find out the very next day, Woj, in classic Woj fashion, drops a bomb that Karis LeVert has a stress fracture in his back. What was your initial reaction? Oh, when I first saw that, I said, what? I said, you got to be kidding me. Th- this injury stuff has gone off the rails. I mean, it's it's one thing to have guys be injured, but it's like, Every single year, we're getting multiple starters injured. We've talked about this before, and I'm not trying to harp on it, but we've really got to take a good look at the front office and how they've assembled this team because they loved Karis LeVert from a couple of years ago. They got an opportunity to trade Vic for him. Clearly, it was a slam dunk trade, but Karis LeVert said it himself. The best ability is availability. We've talked about that multiple times on this podcast. And here we go again. Now, they're hoping it's not serious. Everybody acts like it's just 
a minor setback won't be major, but how many minor setbacks has he already had in his career? This is what I get worried about. It's not that this is a minor thing now. It's that he's had multiple injuries throughout his career. These minor injuries feel like they will never go away with him. Yeah, I mean, I really hope they do. But, I mean, some guys are just a little bit more injury prone than others. And for Levert, look, stress fracture in his back, it doesn't sound good. They're, they're classifying it as minor. And maybe it's minor when you're thinking about that the guy overcame cancer last year. I mean, yes, of course, in that perspective, it is minor. But they're saying that they believe it's possibly, you know, a two- to three-week injury, which has him in line to – you know, maybe miss a little bit of time in the beginning of the season, maybe not miss time, but I think the Pacers would be smart to not rush him back. But the downside is he's going to miss training camp in preseason. I mean, that that's the rough part of it because we were talking about how excited we were to hear that he was having, you know, in great shape coming in there, was going to have a full season with the Pacers to be healthy rather than last year when he missed two months. But Alex, here's what kind of worried me. He said this had been lingering for the last few months. Why not get it looked at earlier? You're getting it looked at now when when preseason is less than a week away. It's just unfortunate timing. Yeah, I wonder if they do physicals on media day with the players just to kind of see what's going on. So that could have been what it was. He probably thought, well, maybe it's just some tightness in my back. Didn't think it was maybe as serious as a stress fracture. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt when it comes to that because I understand, like, hey, your back hurts a little bit. Maybe you twisted it wrong or something like that. But, yeah, it's it's a bit, it's a bit frustrating for Karras and for the fans because Karras, we're expecting a big year from Karras. And I think the biggest part of him not being in training camp, he's going to be able to do some side work stuff, some shooting drills, that kind of thing. I mean, we've already seen some pictures of him out there getting some work in. He's not going to be full-on contact, though, which we completely understand why not. You don't want to aggravate that injury that he already has. But what I can't stand is the fact that he's not going to be able to get in in shape for the season because not being able to exercise and do that kind of thing, it takes a while to get back into game shape. So you might see a couple games where he looks a little bit fatigued. I would not be surprised if Carlisle limits his minutes to some extent, not overexerting him, especially coming back quickly I guess if it's if he comes back at the start of the regular season so just a just a major blow and really when you look at this Pacers starting lineup not having Warren or Levert you see where that lapse comes in scoring and now you're going to rely on Brogdon Turner Sabonis and according to Scott Agnes the Pacers have been inserting Jeremy Lamb and Justin Holiday into the starting lineup for the two injured players so that says to me you're going to be relying on some guys to put up some points that you're not used to relying on. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's a great segue to get back into it, you know, get straight into it right now. But, you know, to fill the spots at the two and the three, it's it's going to be interesting what the Pacers do. I know you mentioned, you know, it looks like Jeremy Lamb and Justin Holiday could be those guys. I definitely see Justin Holiday being one of those guys, someone who started 52 games last year, a true veteran on this team, you know, a three and D guy. Then I wondered – Okay, do you, do you go with Torrey Craig in the starting lineup? Because it obviously feels that they had plans. But here's the thing. You put Justin Holiday and Torrey Craig in that starting lineup, you're lacking some scoring there. Yeah. I, and, I yes, you, you turn up a notch on defense, but it just feels like ah, it's hard to get a, a good balance there. So if you put Jeremy Lamb in there and he could return to the score that he was before, all right, he lacks in the defensive end of things, but I think that offensively he's going to bring more to the table than Torrey Craig. 
what do you feel is, is the right move in that starting lineup? Yeah, so I, I put a tweet out there. I'm sure you saw it where I said, if the Pacers are really trying to get back to their d- defensive identity, starting Jeremy Lamb makes absolutely zero sense yep. to me. Nothing against Jeremy Lamb as a player, but we saw what he was defensively last year. I don't think tough. he's going to be as bad as last year because he's gotten more time to recover from that scary injury. We brought it up on Monday how he was a bit nervous to get in there and have some contact, so maybe he's feeling better about himself. Offensively, I've never really worried about Jeremy Lamb. He's a good three. He's a good three-point shooter. He actually has a decent mid-range game, and there were several times the first season he was here, shot clock shining down, you give him the ball, he'll make a crappy shot go in. I mean, that's just what happens with Jeremy Lamb. He hits a lot of tough shots, and so I understand why they're starting him. I just don't agree with it. I think at this point, Chris Duarte should be given this opportunity, and I know that you probably feel the same way, but he can score the basketball. We saw it in college. We saw it in the summer league. Not the greatest sample size, but I feel like he can really put the ball in the basket. He's going to have better looks playing with Sabonis coming off those kind of screens. The spacing is a lot different in NBA compared to college. And I think at the same time, he won't be asked to do as much with this roster. I mean, you already got Brogdon Turner and Sabonis out there. They're not going to think that you're running your offense through Chris Duarte. So I get why he's got to learn. He's got to earn it. So maybe after the preseason, they realize, hey, he's better than Lamb. We got to start him right away if Lavert's not ready. But at the end of the day, Jeremy Lamb has the experience. Jeremy Lamb has been a starter for this team. The organization clearly trusts him to some degree. They may have tried to move him in the offseason. That didn't work out. But he's got the experience and he's got the wherewithal to know how to play in the NBA compared to a rookie, even though he's 24 and Chris Duarte. You know, absolutely. I, I have the same type of, um, you know, thought process as you do there, where I would love to see Chris Duarte in the starting lineup, but given that he's a rookie, yes, it does very much feel like you're going to have to earn it a bit more. And, you know, Jeremy Land being that veteran that's been there, worked his way back, I feel like he's probably going to get that first crack at it. But if Duarte does look great in preseason, it could be tough to ignore. I would love to. I think he's also going to be more of a playmaker than Jeremy Lamb's going to be. Mm-hmm. And you got to hope that Lamb's not kind of like a stiff statue on defense out there, where we know that Chris Duarte was a guy that was racking up steals and blocks in summer league. Yes, it's just summer league, but guys, that's all we have to go <laughs> off of. So pre- preseason, I feel like that's a great small step or test for Chris Duarte to say, hey, like maybe if, if he looks completely like a rookie, then it's like, all right, yeah, he's not ready yet. But I, I feel confident that he's going to be able to look more than capable out there. So I'm excited to see that. And look, we actually talked about it before. Of like, you know, maybe the Pacers might have to start Jeremy Lamb just to get his value up. Like, <laughs> look, we didn't want that because it would right. come at the expense of Chris Duarte's minutes. But it just kind of happened. And, and right now, Jeremy Lamb is someone that we're going to need to be out there. We're fortunate enough to be able to, to, to have him. And, you know, maybe it, it works out. Maybe Jeremy Lamb is able to get us through a, a tough first couple weeks where he looks all right. Uh, and then maybe, you know, who knows? Maybe the Pacers are able to work out a deal. But someone that this might also benefit is Keelan Martin. Keelan Martin, someone who's going to get more shine in the preseason now. The contract is still not guaranteed. Still going to be a back end of the rotation guy. But I feel like these type of injuries might 
force the Pacers' hand to to keep Keelan Martin and guarantee that contract. With Keelan Martin, this does open up an opportunity for him to prove that he belongs. We still got four to five days left of training camp, but we'll see what happens. I'm not sold on what's going to happen, but for what it's worth, Scott Agnes today on the radio did say that he doesn't think Keelan Martin makes the team. And I think he does, but I don't think it's necessarily the best move the Pacers could make. Yeah, it's true, but man, what, I mean, what options do they really have? It, yeah. they're, they're limited on options. Clearly, I mean, look, we haven't heard much reports of who the Pacers are calling, but I imagine behind closed doors there was a, a stretch where they were trying to be active when they were pushing Keelan Martin's deal back. There's no way they were pushing that guarantee back without at least trying to make moves, and clearly they didn't have any luck. So I, I don't know. I don't think that they're going to make a move within the next like couple of weeks before the season starts, but I, I feel like a move could maybe be made towards the beginning of the season, similar to maybe what we saw last year with Oladipo getting traded only a few games into the season. It was early on, but I think the Pacers kind of just hope that once again, let's wait and see this team healthy. And you know what? That might unfortunately buy plenty of time because the Warren injury is another unknown. He's going to yeah. get reevaluated in two to three weeks. And from there, like, Look, any way you're going to put it, this guy was still in a walking boot on Monday. Mm-hmm. I don't see him playing in three weeks from now. Yeah, no, 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 no. I don't. I don't see him playing either. I think at this point you got to bank on probably only Karis Levert being ready for the beginning of the regular season, and then probably starting Justin Holiday, which I think we all kind of anticipated, but maybe not be the guy we wanted to. But like I said, I don't expect Warren back to December. That's just kind of my gut feeling right now. They've got that huge home stretch. It makes more sense to bring him back then, let him kind of heal at his own pace. I understand that Carlisle said we're hoping weeks, not months. But at this point, whatever they say at training camp, it's all going to be optimistic. So they probably thought he'd be ready for training camp three months ago if you would have asked him. So that's where it's just one of those things where we're not really sure. But um, let's take a quick break real quick, Fachi. And when we come back, we will hit on some other topics relating to training camp. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. We are back, everybody. And now we're going to jump into a little bit of Isaiah Jackson news. So, Fachi, I don't know if you heard or not, but Isaiah Jackson is actually getting some time here with the second unit throughout the first two days of training camp. Big news for Isaiah Jackson, as this is a guy we did not anticipate playing probably at all this season. We thought he'd be more with the third string, but this coaching staff, especially Rick Carlisle, they're incredibly high on him. They talked about how he pinned a shot up against the backboard already in the first season of practice. Most athletic guy on the team, no doubt about it. The Pacers clearly need this. I'm all I'm all excited about the idea that we're actually going to see Isaiah Jackson this year. Oh, I love it because I feel like we had sold ourselves a few weeks ago that we weren't, and we were all right with it. I don't even know how we were all right with it, but it feels like now <laughs> I'm glad that things have changed because this man's a talk of the town. I mean, they are raving about Isaiah Jackson, so it's contagious. I mean, I want to see more, and the preseason, it just feels like it's the perfect time because you got to remember, since the trade couldn't be official until, you know, a little after – or right when summer league started, it was like he didn't get to practice with the team. And I think he just like kind of coldly came in there in game one. And it was just like, it feels like now he's been with the team for a while. He's ready to go. And I'm excited to see what all the hype's about because from the flashes that we saw, I mean, having seven blocks in a summer league game and just the athleticism, this is the athleticism we were waiting on. I know they, they really pitched to us that, Cassius Stanley, you know, might be the, the most athletic pacer. It's like, yeah, the guy can jump out of a gym, but you know, there's other things that we we're looking for. Isaiah Jackson looks like he can, you know, they're talking about him being able to guard. I mean, guard guards, guard forwards, guard centers, you know, catch lobs, block pass, block shots. I mean, this, this seems like this is a guy that can do it all. And it's great that expectations are not you're our starting center or you're our starting power forward right now. It's, Hey, whatever we can get from him this year, is a positive because it doesn't need to be forced. We have bigs right now that can start for us in Sabonis and Miles Turner. We still have Goga that we're bringing along. So it's just like Isaiah Jackson, I think we can bring along at, at our own pace, but this guy might be, uh, quote, setting the pace right now because, oh, hey, God. oh my God, Alex, it <laughs> felt right. It felt right and I had to do it. But it just feels like this guy is is turning up the pressure to say, you need to get me minutes. Yeah, no, and that's the thing. He's showcasing that he's too good to not get minutes. And I think exactly. sometimes that happens with players. Like, I think if you go back and remember when Paul George was drafted, he he didn't play a whole lot under Jim O'Brien. But Frank Vogel saw something, and Frank Vogel put him into that starting lineup, and all of a sudden Paul George in a couple of years became two-time All-Star, All-Star Paul George. So that is why I think with Isaiah Jackson, you have to give him some minutes. Now, look. We're not saying Isaiah Jackson is going to start, but I'm curious to see how the rotation goes because Scott Agnes was on the radio again, like I said earlier today. And when he was on that radio call, he talked about Guga Batadze and not really fitting in right now into the rotation. So I'm curious if they're going to stagger the bigs, it makes sense to have Isaiah Jackson and maybe an O'Shea Brissett in in that rotation with Torrey Craig, with Chris Duarte and with TJ McConnell. I think that's 10 guys. So that makes a lot of sense with how they're going to go about it. Isaiah Jackson can play some center, but he can also play some power forward as well. That is one of the things that we've talked about being beneficial because of his athleticism, being able to switch on to guards and wings and quicker guys like that. And I believe Rick Carlisle even said he's never seen a better guy or never seen a guy block more jump shots 
or be better at blocking jump shots than Isaiah Jackson. So, man, I mean, a lot of people are excited about Chris Duarte because he was our lottery pick, but the buzz around camp, (laughs) Isaiah Jackson is probably going to be the most beloved pacer after this season. Yeah, I mean, very well could be. He is really, you know, all eyes on him lately in terms of what the media and what Carlisle is glowing about. But, hey, I'm all for it because it it just gives us – it adds to the depth of this team, and it feels like this team is deeper. Yes, we lack the the A-plus superstar player, but there's a lot of pretty good slash, you know, maybe even really good players on this team. Maybe not great players, but a lot of more than capable guys that I feel like, hey, you know, if Isaiah Jackson's able to carve out you know, a role while TJ Warren's out, I think that's going to be, you know, all the reason to continue to fight for minutes and to stay in that rotation. And Alex, it could even lead to a trade earlier than what we thought just off of, we can't take this guy out of the rotation. Yeah. I mean, that's a very good point. I don't want to get into that rabbit hole just yet because we've got a long season ahead of us, but I think you're going to see some benefits of having Isaiah Jackson out there on the floor specifically for the defensive side of things. And we know that Rick Carlisle wants to really gain that identity back of a defensive-minded team. We've really lost that since, since you know, Nate Orkin took over last year with McMillan. I think it was still pretty well there, but it wasn't very I – guess, I guess you could say it wasn't like the most modern defense. It was very basic, but it worked. I think we were six in McMillan's last year, so clearly it was an effective and an impactful defense, not saying it wasn't. But it wasn't as diverse, I guess you could say. And then Bjorkren's was just like helter-skelter. Oh, Nobody yeah. knew what to expect with it, except you knew you were going to give up a lot of points because it was stupid how they did it. So, like, yep. yeah, anyway. But with, with Carlisle, it's going to be more structured. There's a lot more to look forward to with Carlisle and how he can utilize players. And getting more athletic, you can never go wrong with that. And I think Isaiah Jackson is that guy. But I also think Chris Duarte is a guy that clearly has been shining in training camp so far. His defense shouldn't go under the radar either because he was all Pac-12 defense as well last season as a senior. And I I think that we should really bring up the fact that he's a two-way player as well. Absolutely. I mean, this is someone who, like we mentioned, get a little bit overshadowed. But like Duarte, we felt, honestly, probably should have been on one of those top summer league teams. And and if he wasn't, I, I think that you also were factoring there was already NBA guys that made some of those all first summer league teams, all second, you know, summer league teams. So I, I just felt like that's someone, and he also sat out the last game. So, you know, he shined. I, I think you couldn't have really asked for more, but from a defensive standpoint, I mean, his defense was honestly just as good as his offense. And mm-hmm. that's something that the Pacers are looking to get back to having those two-way players. I mean, look, like, I don't even want to put him in the same category as a Paul George, but it was great to have those guys back then like even Lance Stevenson that could do it on both sides of the ball. And last year, they didn't really have that. They didn't like, I I felt that miles did a great job defensively, offensively, you know, know, wasn't great. He was better than before, but it wasn't utilized in the, the capacity to be great offensively. Then you had other guys like Sabonis who was trying hard on defense, but you know, he's, he's never going to be a great defender, Offensively, he was good, so it's hard to get it on both ends. So with guys like Isaiah Jackson, I think the offense will come. Mm-hmm. With Chris Duarte, I think that you can actually have a possible two-way player here. I'm very excited to see both those guys. So, uh, I mean, preseason, that's something I'm locking my eyes on, too. I want to see the rooks 
And I'm very excited for that because last year, I think we waited, we hoped, thought we'd see a little bit more Cassius Stanley, but it just never happened. And I think that's kind of what happens when your only pick is 54th overall. Pacers yeah. didn't have a first round pick. Goga, we didn't get to see Goga. You know, in the beginning, it was the visa issues. You know, he, he's hurt. It's that. So it's like preseason the last couple of years, it had been pretty boring. You know, you're like, oh man, what are we going to, no one get hurt. You know, now yeah. it's like, we got something to look forward to here. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. And I, and I think really with O'Shea Brissett, fans are still excited to see what he can become because he's part of that young core. Gogo Batadze is still part of that young core. So we do actually have a bit of a young core here that's just a few years younger than the Sabonis Turner core, but maybe, maybe three or four years younger than the Malcolm Brogdon core. So I want to talk about Malcolm Brogdon for a quick second because we've heard a lot about his leadership skills and how he's trying to develop that and become that type of leader for this team this year. So I'm curious to see how he does with Rick Carlisle. And I know we've kind of been like back and forth on if we think he's the future or not, but quite frankly, I I've talked about it a little bit on the podcast recently, and I'm not trying to be just like back and forth with how I feel about players and whatever, but I really do. And I'm probably in this same camp. We've underappreciated what Malcolm Brogdon has brought to this team the last few years in terms of on-court product. I don't want to get into the off-court stuff because everything that we've talked about already is kind of hearsay stuff. It's stuff that we're not really sure. It's not like documented. Like, sure, he might have been like the guy that led the charge and moving on from McMillan, but clearly the Bjorkren stuff was not really his fault. Everybody was really disgruntled with how Nate Bjorkren did things. So I think we just kind of put last year behind us and just think about how Brogdon can mesh with Carlisle. If it doesn't work out, then you guys can come at me and say, no, we didn't underappreciate him. He's a bad guy. He's not a good leader, whatever. Come at me then. But I think at this point right now, we owe Malcolm Brogdon the benefit of the doubt to say, hey, this guy was really good for us. He's not an all-star, but he was a borderline all-star. No, he's not going to lead you to a championship. I saw some feedback from that today on Twitter when I talked about this. But but I'm not asking him to be a championship point guard. That is not who he is. Nobody on this roster, we've talked about it, is a championship-level player. So let's just pump the brakes. We need a collective group of guys to really come together to be impactful and win a playoff series. And I think if Malcolm Brogdon can lead the charge with that, then let him do it because some of the other guys are more followers, which isn't a bad thing, and, and they want to be led, and Malcolm loves to lead. In case anyone maybe can't read, we're not the Indiana Lakers, all right? So there's very <laughs> few point guards that are going to lead us to a championship. There's very few point guards that are going to lead anyone to a championship in this league. I mean, it, it's tough, but Malcolm Brogdon was just below being an all-star last year. And that's not to say like, oh, yeah, there's a ton of guys just below. No, Malcolm Brogdon had a career year last year. He averaged over 21 points per game. Um, his shooting percentages, sure, they're not the 50, 40, 90, but we're asking him to do more than what that Bucks team was asking of him. So mm. I think this is someone who, you know, sure he was hurt at, at times, but yeah, a lot of the team was hurt. So I think that if Brogdon can come back with, I mean, obviously this is, hey, now we're just getting hypothetical here. But when TJ Warren and Karis LeVert are healthy, I think Brogdon's going to have to do a little bit less, which I think will turn into being more efficient. He's already talked about wanting to be more of a leader, which – saying all the great things. I think each each and every year he's at least started the year by saying all the right things. But this year, it feels like his actions seem a bit different. Organizing the dinners, you know, organizing early pickup games for that. I think that's all great. Everything you want to see from your point guard. But I also feel like we've talked about a little bit. 
The point guard head coach dynamic, it's so important to have that right. A guy like Rick Carlisle, I, I'm, I'm sorry, there's no other way to put it, but you got to respect Rick Carlisle. And, and quite frankly, the players didn't respect Napier Orkin last year. And I think that that could lead to a lot of issues. I feel like this is that situation now where, hey, Brogdon, there's, there's nothing to complain about now, but let's play ball. And I, mm. I think that he's completely bought in, and I think the team has bought us completely bought in and they've surrounded him with capable assistant coaches now. So at this point, like I said, play ball. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Like let's quit worrying about all the off court stuff. Let's just focus on basketball because this is a great coaching staff. I mean, a really well put together coaching staff. And we've even got reports about Domas Sabonis working with assistant coach, Jenny Busek working on three point shooting. Domas Sabonis, we know that we have talked about his ceiling to become a better player is if he can consistently knock down a three-point shot. So in practice the other day, he did hit 20 out of 25 threes, which is saying a lot for a guy that was airballing some or hitting the other side of the backboard last year when he was taking them. Part of it was fatigue, but the other part was just something that was, it wasn't something he practiced. So this team wants to get better at shooting the three-point basketball. They want to get better at defense. They're going to be somewhat modern, but they're also going to be somewhat, you know, innovative. They're going to figure out what works for this roster. And I just, I just know that with the players that we have, we're good enough to compete with any team in the league. We're not going to compete for a seven game series, but on any given night, I think that this team can be really competitive. So that's what I'm hoping can happen with Rick Carlisle at the helm with a great coaching staff, get these guys to believe in their abilities to maximize their talent. And that is what Rick Carlisle does. He maximizes talent. Look at what Dallas did last year, taking the Clippers to seven games in round one. And there was a lot of flaws with that Dallas team. I know Luka Doncic is one of the best basketball players in the league right now, but if you look at the rest of the roster, got quite a bit of flaws. And if you look at that Clippers team, if they would have had Kawhi Leonard, a lot of people make the argument they would have been in the NBA finals last year. So with that being said, I think that Carlisle can really figure out a way to mesh all these guys together, put all their strengths together to make this team better than what we saw. And and based off of last year, Fachi, everybody is so down on this Pacers team because of the Bjorkman era. That era was one and done, baby. Not even a full 82 games. Mm-hmm. Pluck him right out. Move on. Let's let this thing grow right with Carlisle and, and not get so wrapped up into the off-court drama because hopefully with Victor Oladipo gone, don't have to worry about that anymore. And with instability inside the locker room, now you'll be able to focus on what you just said, basketball. Absolutely. I think 72 games, you know, plus the play that that was all that was needed during the Bjorkman era. You did not need 82 <laughs> games for that. That was a mess. I'm glad that that's over. And I just feel like, you know what, at this point, guys, whatever, what are we going to do other than say, hey, Let's just once again be the underdogs because it doesn't work well for the Pacers when expectations are too high. I think we're at a spot right now where, hey, we can overcome – expectations are low enough that we can overcome them. I think, I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that are low on the Pacers, and for some of them, they have every right to be. But this is a team that just, just get them on the court. It's become the hardest thing to do. Just get them on the court, and I, I feel like – I would, I would like to believe that 10 out of 10 people would say this situation, roster and coaching, is better than what we had last year. Last year was 
It was a horror movie between everything that went down in the season. So uh, I already feel like we're, we're entering in with no drama. Last year, I mean, you got to remember, Alex, I remember when we were doing this podcast, we were like, when's Oladipo getting traded? Is it before the year? Is it a, is it a game one? Is it the trade deadline? It yeah. was a matter of when. We don't have that guy right now that's complaining that wants to get out or anything. From everything we've read, these guys are excited to play together. And, right. and I, I'm excited to see them play together. Oh, yeah. There's no doubt about it. We're all excited to see what this team can do. But, Fachi, is there anything else you wanted to touch on before I take a quick break? Nope. I think let's, uh, let's take a break and come right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Fachi. So to wrap up today's show, we're going to end out with this really cool segment. We're going to look at this preseason game coming up against the New York Knicks. Really good opportunity for the Pacers to kind of get their feet wet and see what they look like against some other competition. But going into this game, me and you decided we were going to to give like three to four different ideas of what we'd like to see from this Pacers team in that game. So I'll let you start off. What's one of the one things you're looking forward to seeing with this team? I'm going to go Chris Duarte with the starters. I want to see what it's like seeing – him out there with, you know, playing alongside Brogdon, seeing him with Sabonis, seeing him with Miles Turner, just letting it rock and, and just also know that there's talent around him where he can be a playmaker also, or he could, you know, get his own shot. He can create his own shot. So I'd say Duarte with the starters, that's what I'm looking forward to seeing most. Yeah, I think that's an obvious one. I would I would agree with you there. I think one of the things I'm excited to see is how the rotation works. Mm-hmm. I think that's always something to keep an eye on because – we got a new coach now. We've got different players now. How does Rick Carlisle value them? Who does he put together? What players work well together? Like, does Chris Duarte play really well with Sabonis? Do they have issues? Does he need to work on getting his timing down a little bit better? How does Isaiah Jackson look next to Sabonis? How does he look next to Turner? Which group looks the best? You know, that's what I want to see. I also want to see how Miles Turner is utilized in the rotation a little bit. Does he come off the, the off the court first? Does he stay in longer? Sabonis go off earlier like we saw with McMillan? Like, how does this work? So I think there's a lot of big notes there to take with this starting lineup and how the rotation works because we got a lot of decent players on this roster. I'm just not sure how you're going to be able to play them all together and what lineups work the best. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely very, very excited to see a healthy Miles Turner back. I mean, I know he, it feels like he does this kind of year after year, but – Turner's changed his body once again, looks to be in great shape. So, I mean, hey, you know what? This is Turner under yet another coach. So let's see how Carlisle utilizes him. So, you know, I don't want to get overexcited if we see a great performance from him. I don't want to be too hard on him if we don't see much because it's preseason. So, you know, just want to see these guys play together. So I would say one of the other things I'm excited to see is the battle for the third point guard spot, because that's where things are really going to be heating up. I mean, we got some guys on this roster that are truly fighting for an open position. And I don't think anyone can say, I guarantee it's going to be this guy, for instance. Yeah. I don't think they can. No, they can't. And that's that's a good point too, Fachi. I mean, I'm a little bit perplexed with how everything is going to work out because I just like, do they keep Kilomar? Do they not? Do they 
play some of these two-way guys. What do these two-way guys look like? Dwayne Washington Jr., uh, Dejan Jarrell. Could he be that backup point guard if we move on from Keelan Martin? I, I just feel like there are so many question marks. And then Jeremy Lamb, I mean, this guy coming off a major injury, how does he look in his first preseason action? How does he play with the starters? He's got chemistry with them from previous seasons, but let's see how it works out. So, I, I mean, last year we saw Jeremy Lamb with the starters, and it was putrid, but – defensive wise i think they're going to have a better scheme so that that's a great point i i really just want to know how this coaching staff is going to emphasize defensive schemes i want to know who they view as the best defender in that starting lineup to guard the best player on the other side of the court how do they go about guarding julius randall i think for the most of it we've seen where turner always guarded the center and sabonis always guarded the power forward I'm curious to see if Carlisle maybe changes that up a little bit, thinking that, hey, Julius Randle constantly killed Sabonis last year on, yep. on that side of the ball. Does maybe putting Miles Turner against Julius Randle make more sense because he can maybe irritate him a little bit better because he's a much better defender than Domas. And especially out on the perimeter, I would trust Miles over Domas out there on the perimeter. But at the same time, you do lose that interior presence with Miles Turner. Absolutely. I mean, hey, the next thing I just want to see is these guys remain healthy. I mean, at, at the, it's it's preseason. Give, give us enough of a taste where they can maybe shake off some rust. But I, after last year, I don't want to see anyone playing massive minutes in the preseason. <laughs> you know, let, let this be to shake off the rust and get the young guys at the back end of the rotation some valuable minutes. Like O'Shea Brissett is someone who immediately comes to mind where – I would love to see, you know, what he's been working on. We saw in summer league, he was getting the free throw line a lot. You know, that was against, I would say, you know, you would think maybe subpar competition, but that's a guy that was in the G League last mm-hmm. year to start it. So, you know, I, I think that we don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves on him. So I want to continue to see his development. Um, and then, you know, we talked about it a little bit before, but Isaiah Jackson, I mean, this is going to be someone who's going to be able to get some good quality minutes where you know, if he looks exactly like a rookie, that's more than fine. These games don't count. So, guys, it doesn't matter what the preseason record is. The sky is not falling if the Pacers go 0-4 in the preseason. It all depends how much they value it. I mean, to relate it to the Colts, I remember back in the day, the Colts used to go 0-4 in the preseason a ton of times, and then they'd have a great regular season. So, these preseason records, it doesn't matter. Just get out there. And, and experiment a little bit on, uh, you know, rotation-wise, different lineups, different defensive schemes, just kind of throw a little bit out there. Because if you remember uh, when the Pacers beat the Kings, it was like in the preseason, T.J. Warren hit that, like, corner three. I think it was, it was like, yeah. Oh, yeah. The sideline three. And it was just like, oh, my God, wow. And then I think they came out and they lost the remainder of the preseason <laughs> games. And I didn't really know what to believe. Then we started thinking – are they jet lagged from the trip to India? Like, oh man, what happened here? <laughs> and we, we were, we looked way too much into it. Yeah, no, a preseason is what it is. I, I think last year was a good sample size. Like, hey, Keenan Martin was playing a lot. And then he got like rotation minutes, like the first, what was it, like two games. And yeah. then we never saw him in the rotation again. Like Edmund Sumner was completely buried. So it does tell you a little bit of what the coaching staff is seeing in training camp. Like, hey, Keelan Martin might have had a great training camp, but like when it came to the regular season, like really Edmund Sumner didn't get the opportunity over Keelan Martin last year to start things out. So I think preseason storylines can be a bit overblown, but you're right. I mean, we, we 
literally saw Nate McMillan run that same play for Warren or whoever mm-hmm. multiple times. I don't know how many times I saw someone on Twitter clip the play of that we ran at the end of the game or into the half, and it was, though, the India play. I mean, we literally called it the India play from that preseason game. So it's it's really funny that you bring that up, but it also makes you realize, like, hey, preseason is is what it is. Don't overthink it. But you brought up the Colts. Don't want to talk about them. 0-3. Oh, but Oof. your Broncos 3-0, beating up oh, on the man. crappiest teams in the NFL. So Oh, yeah. Softest schedule so far. <laughs> but, Alex, I'm telling you, ever since Peyton Manning retired, it's been brutal to be a Broncos fan. I, uh, this was the first year that Vic Fangio, in year three, won a September game. So the fact that we're 3-0, and I'm I'm happy about it. It's like, okay, yes. So I'm wow. enjoying I'm enjoying football game uh, football again. We play the Ravens this week. You know what? I kind of like our chances there. No one could say that we can't win this game. All right, Fachi. As long as you're on cloud nine, that's all that matters. Just oh yeah. Hope your heart's not broken next week with a Justin Tucker 67 yard field goal oh off, my the, God. off the goal post. But anyway, I, I think really when it comes to preseason, I don't have too much to say that what I'm looking forward to. I mean. I'm really excited to talk about what happened in the game after the game happens. But really for me, it's just going to be exciting to see the Pacers back on television with this roster, with this coaching staff and seeing Chris Denary call the games. You know, I got to tell you this. I had a dream the other night. I don't know why I had it. I had a dream that Quinn Buckner retired and I'm like, who is calling the game with Chris Denary? And it was a female. I, I don't know if that's going to be predicting something in the future, but it was a female guest analyst. I don't even remember who she was. I just know it was a girl with blonde hair, I'm pretty sure. And I'm thinking to myself, what happened to Quinn Buckner? And I'm like, they're like, oh, yeah, he retired. I'm like, oh, okay, how did I miss that? So, I mean, <laughs> really funny that I had that dream. But, um, no, we're glad to have Quinn back. We need some smothered chickens, and I'm hoping Isaiah Jackson gets quite a few this season. Absolutely. That sounds more like a nightmare to me, honestly, Alex. I, you know, <laughs> can't be losing Quinn at this point. We, we, right. we need him. We've lost enough Pacer players, so got to protect Quinn at all costs. <laughs> so Absolutely. It, I would just say, hey, that, that's a wrap for today. I think we, we covered everything we could. And uh, guys, just know that the very next episode we have out there, Pacer basketball is going to be physically right around the corner. Absolutely, everybody. So you can find us on Twitter. At setting the pace three, Fachi is underscore F A C C I. I'm at Alex Golden NBA. Check us out on Instagram at Pacers Talk. We're also available on Facebook at Setting the Pace and over at TikTok at Setting the Pace. Fachi, did I get it right? Not a bad job. I think you aced that test. And Alex, if you're very excited to see Chris Duarte running with the starters, I got three words for you. What are they? <laughs> Let's go. Pacers. There we go. Oh, we have some smothered chicken on that one. Smothered chicken. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.